Very good. Okay. Hope y'all are having a good day. I'm having a good day. It started really, really early this morning, around 4 o'clock, when we got a phone call from Dustin saying uh, it's time for Carrie to head on up this way. And uh, so now we have a new grandbaby, a little boy. People ask me what the name is. Jesse and Dustin have not given a name as of the last I heard, although Jacob chimed in this morning, and he has decided to go ahead and name the baby for them. So its name will be LeBron. <laughs> uh, since they've piddled around so long at making a choice. But... Uh, Soon as church is over, I'm headed up that way. This is a very special Mother's Day for me because on this Mother's Day, we have a, my daughter is a new mother again. She's got one already, but now she's got two. And it's quite a blessing. I want to talk to you about a, a passage in Scripture this morning in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 15. We read about the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, Jesus. I want you to think about what he's been through. He's been beaten. He's been tried. He's been convicted wrongly. He's been condemned by a man who knows he's innocent. He's had all these people who a few days before were saying, make him king, crown him, you know, he's the king, hallelujah. And now they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He's had soldiers slap him. And spit on him. He's had a crown of thorns put on his head and just, just hammered down on his head. And now they lay on him a cross and tell him to carry that cross to a hill where they're going to kill him on it. And he takes that cross and he begins to walk and he just collapses under the weight. He can't carry it. So they grab this guy out of the crowd... Now, you know, anything un or out of the ordinary draws a crowd, right? I mean, if there's a, a wreck on the side of the road, anything that's out of the ordinary, there's always a crowd around. And there was a crowd here watching Jesus and the other men who were being crucified being taken to this hill. And they grabbed this guy out of the crowd, and his name is Simon. The Bible says they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. Now here's a guy who's just headed into Jerusalem. I mean, he's, he's can you imagine what that's like? You're headed into Jerusalem, and you see there's this crucifixion going on. Maybe he came over and stopped to look and see what's happening. And it's Jesus, and you see the guy collapse, and all of a sudden, the soldiers say, You! And you've got to get in there and grab this guy's cross and carry this cross for him. Why was, it, why was this guy even in Jerusalem? Do we know? Well, you know, it was the Passover. And this was the time when all devout Jews went to Jerusalem. It's interesting to me to note, this says this guy was a Cyrenian. Do you know where Cyrene is? It's in Libya today. It's all the way past Egypt. It was about a thousand miles from where they were. What kind of guy is this? 
You know, this is in three of the four Gospels, this account of this happening. Three of the four Gospels. But this count in particular, the one in Mark, is the one I wanted to talk about because Mark get, tells us something about this that none of the other accounts tell. And that is, he tells us this guy's sons. Their names were Alexander and Rufus. Okay? Now, do you know much about either one of these guys? Did you know that we're pretty sure that Rufus is mentioned again later in the Bible? We're pretty sure it's the same guy? It's actually over in the book of Romans by the Apostle Paul. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, Mark was written by this guy named John Mark, also called Mark the Evangelist. Do you remember Paul's relationship with Mark? Paul, Mark was Barnabas' nephew, and Mark traveled with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. And they left, and they went to this little island of Cyprus. They stopped at one place. They get to the second place, and John Mark says, I'm done. I'm going home. And he left, and he and Paul and Barnabas went on their journey by themselves. They get ready for the second missionary journey, and Barnabas says, let me go get Mark. And Paul says, nope, he's not coming. And Barnabas says, oh yeah, we got to take Mark. Paul says, no, you don't. Not, not with me, you don't. He's not coming. And Barnabas said, yes, he is coming, or I'm not going. Paul said, fine, you're not going. And I mean, they had a, a serious parting of the ways about this. Barnabas went with John Mark and Paul got Silas and went on his second missionary journey. But we also know that by the end of his life, Paul is writing and he says, send Mark to me. said, he's valuable to me. Paul's attitude about Mark changed. Paul had spent a lot of time with Mark. This guy who wrote this gospel who told us about Alexander and Rufus. Do you know what else we know about him, though? Is that Paul knew this family. Paul had a relationship with that family. Look in Romans 16 with me. Paul says this, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Isn't that interesting? That this guy who was grabbed to carry the cross of Jesus, his son ends up being a good friend of Paul's and his wife ends up being like a second mom to the Apostle Paul. Have you ever had anyone in your life that kind of filled that role as a second mom? Most of us have someone that we depend on, that we lean on, that maybe a friend's mother... I had a good friend's mom. Her name was Virginia Minson, David and Mike's mom. David and Mike and I ran around together all the time when we were kids, and she was just like a second mom to me. She'd get on to me, and she'd chastise me, and she'd encourage me, and she fed me, and she, she wasn't my mom, but she was like a mom. She was like a second mom. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul, in the end of this letter to the Romans, which by most accounts is this maybe the masterpiece of literature ever written. And in the end of it, he talks about this woman who was a mother to him. He honors her. Can you imagine if you were mentioned in the Bible? <laughs> 
I mean, that'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, most of us aren't even mentioned on Wikipedia, right? <laughs> to be mentioned in the Bible, what honor. What kind of a woman would it take to deserve or earn or be worthy of this kind of an honor? What I want to talk with you a little bit about this morning is what it takes to be a mother worthy of honor. That's a picture of LeBron. <laughs> Our new grandson. I had a wonderful mother. She have a wonderful mother. Talk to her this morning. She's just, she's been so instructive in my life. She's been a wonderful grandmother and now a wonderful great-grandmother. I'm married to a woman who is a wonderful mother. She has such patience with the children. She, she just does so many things for them. And now she's a wonderful grandmother. I've got a daughter who is learning to be a wonderful mother. What does it take to be a mother who is worthy of honor, though? You know, there's lots of mothers in the world who are not worthy of honor, aren't there? You ever hear of CPS? Child Protective Services? Why do they have to have that? Because there's a lot of moms that aren't worthy of the title of mother. Now, it's a, it's a biological thing that a woman can give birth and be a horrible mother. Okay? She doesn't have to be a great mother. There's some mothers that teach their children to do evil. And there's some mothers who use their children to fulfill their own fantasies. You've seen these moms that make these kids get in these pageants, you know, and it's all about, it's all about the moms. It's not about the child. To fulfill their dreams. These moms who life is all about them and the children are just cast aside. They're, they're nuisances on the periphery of life. But some mothers, some mothers are worthy of honor. And I want to talk about what the Bible teaches that's necessary for a woman to be the kind of woman who is worthy of honor. Is worthy to be mentioned like the Apostle Paul mentioned. First... A woman who is to be a mother who is worthy of honor needs to be the kind of mother who the priority relationship in her life is Jesus Christ. She must be committed to Christ above all else if she wants to be a mother worthy of honor. Listen, that little baby I showed you a picture of just a couple back. I can't imagine, yes, I can't imagine because I've got kids. I know the love that just is overwhelming my daughter's life right now. I mean, she's just got this baby now. And you, you moms, remember what that's like? To have that baby? And how important that child is to you? And how you want to protect it and you want to build the, their world to be so beautiful and so perfect. And, and how important that relationship is to you? I want you to know that's an important relationship, but it's not the most important relationship in your life. And I say, well, yeah, I know. The Bible says husband, wife, so my husband should be more important relationship than my children. Yes, that's true, but that's not what I'm talking about. The most important relationship in your life should be with God should be with Jesus Christ. You see, your children need to see to you that serving God is more important to you 
than all the other things in your life. They need to see that serving God is more important than their curricular, extracurricular activities. They need to see that. And if they don't see that, if they see you always sacrificing service of God for the extracurricular activities, guess what's going to be most important in their life when they get grown up? The extracurricular activities is what's going to be most important. If they see us always choosing vacation over serving God, guess what's going to be most important to them? We're going and having fun. Getting vacation. If they see you sacrificing serving God for career advancement, guess what's going to be most important to them? Their job. That's what's going to be most important to them. You see, they mimic what they see in you. You may be the most outwardly beautiful woman that ever lived. But if you don't love Jesus Christ, your beauty is only skin deep. It's not a real beauty inside. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a beautiful woman. You look in the Bible, the story of Jacob and Rachel. He saw Rachel and he fell in love with her because she was beautiful. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to a beautiful woman for a young man. And young ladies are, and older ladies, there's nothing wrong with trying to be beautiful. But what matters is your commitment to Jesus Christ. Your children need to see you open the Bible. Do they ever see you open the Bible? Do they ever see you on your knees in prayer? Your children need to see that. God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the greatest relationship that we can ever have. You know, you look in a mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Well, that's going to change. Even if you get the nod for today, tomorrow it's going to be someone else. That's not going to always be the same. But you know, when you look in a mirror, what do you see as a mom? What do you see? Do you see someone who loves Jesus? Your kids need that more than they need an Xbox. They need that more than they need a chauffeur. They need that more than they need a second income. They need a mom who loves Jesus Christ, who puts Jesus on the pedestal of her life. Do you ever talk to your children about how you love God and the meaning that He has in your life? To be a mother who's worthy of honor, that has got to be the motivating, driving factor of your life. The Bible says charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Just this past week, I uh, saw a, a little deal on YouTube, and I have seen more Facebook and YouTube this last month than I have in my whole life. And uh, there's some interesting things out there. <laughs> I could tell you strange stuff. But one of these deals was then and now, and it showed pictures of People that I grew up watching on TV then, and like Gilligan's Island pictures, and now, and what they look like today. And I want to tell you, this verse is true. <laughs> Beauty is passing. Charm is deceitful. It's not going to last. What will last is a woman who fears the Lord. Number two, to be a woman who is worthy of honor a woman needs to work for God according to her design. I know we live in a world where there is a lot of equal rights stuff. Uh, in fact, they're even 
close to or trying to get the Equal Rights Amendment to finally pass after all these years. And, and there's a lot of discussion about feminizing men and masculinizing women and making everything the same for everybody and all. Let me show you what the Bible says. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This wasn't written by a woman hater. This was written by the man who talked about that woman, that mother, who Rufus's mom, who was like a second mother to him. This is a man who had a lot of good things to say about Timothy's mother and grandmother. He wasn't a woman hater. This is just true. And it's a matter or an issue or a question of design. Women are not devalued by following the design that they were created with. You remember the story of the creation. God created Adam, said, name all the animals and let's look for a companion. There were no companions. He said, I'll create one for you. And she will be just exactly what you need. That's what the word help meet means. A helper that's equal to you. That's appropriate to you. And God did that. A woman has tremendous value, but she has a specific design by her Creator. Now, the world you live in is going to say, wait, that's not true. You don't have to do that. You can do anything a man can do. You can be just like a man. You can look like a man and walk like a man and act like a man and hold a man's job and... and Marry a woman just like a man can. You can do all of these things. And I want to tell you that that's not God's design. Just because something's designed for a different purpose doesn't make it less valuable, does it? You know, Jesse went to Texas Women's University here in uh, Denton. And one of her classes... They, of course, it's Texas Women's University, so that shouldn't surprise us that they were a lot of feminist ideas really reigned. In one of her classes, they had to do these, uh, these presentations about, I, I don't remember what the category was, but anyway, one of the women, the girls in the class got up and made this presentation about how abusive the Judeo-Christian tradition is to women and how women are just put down and they're mistreated and they're devalued and she made this whole presentation about and at the end of the presentation the class was allowed to ask questions and she was to talk about it that was part of the class and the way it ran nobody said a word just sat there in silence finally jesse spoke up and she said I just have to say, I was raised in a Christian home by a preacher, and I wasn't devalued. I wasn't mistreated. I wasn't treated as though I was worth less than the men. In fact, my grandfather's a preacher, and I know hundreds or thousands of Christians. And what you said is just not true. They don't mistreat and devalue women in Christianity. They value women greatly, but they value women according to the design that God made. Let me ask you this. What's better, a sports car or a big tractor? Which one's better? <clears throat> well, most of us probably would say the sports car, right? Sean, the guy who brought the Lamborghini to church, says, no, I'd rather have the tractor. <laughs> Okay, maybe you could, 
the thing is, they're designed for different purposes, right? You don't go out racing in a tractor. I've sat behind a lot of tractors on the roads. They don't race, okay? But you also don't hook a Lamborghini to a big plow to try to plow a thousand acres. That's silly. That's not what it's for, you see. And by recognizing the purpose or the design of the two vehicles, they both have value, tremendous value. It's just different value. Well, that's the way it is with God, with men and women. Men have a responsibility. Men, you're accountable to God for the decisions of your home. You're going to give account to that. To God for, for all the choices that are made in your home. It's your job. And you don't get to say, well, you know, somebody else is out. It's your job. You're responsible to provide for and protect your home. That's your job. Women, your design is to submit to your husband, be a helper to him, and guide your house. And that's your job, to guide that house. That's the way God designed it. If you want to be a woman worthy of honor, you will honor the design that God created you with. Number three, seek internal godliness rather than outward beauty. We've already talked about this just a little bit, but I want to read a passage with you. Women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now here he says women should adorn themselves in modest apparel and not all this fancy stuff, but instead they should adorn themselves with good works. Now his point here is not it's wrong to wear a string of pearls. That's not his point. His point is when you get up in the morning, ladies, and you look in the mirror and you start preparing yourself for the day, do you prepare the things that other men are going to look at? Or do you prepare the thing that God is going to look at? In the morning when you get up and you've got to rush and you've got to go, do you spend time on your spiritual condition? Do you spend time adorning the inward woman? where she's beautiful and she's righteous and she's committed to Christ and every morning you recommit yourself to doing what pleases God more than doing what pleases your children or what pleases your husband. First, you please God. Or do you really try to look cute? I'm not saying looking cute is wrong. We've already talked about that some. Paul wasn't saying that's wrong either. What he is saying is if that's your priority, you messed up. You're wrong. You've got it backwards. You need to spend time seeking internal godliness rather than outward beauty. You need to give attention to your inner person. You need to work on building your spiritual character so that when terrible things in your life happen, your kids don't see you go to pieces. When terrible things in your life happen, your kids don't see you lose it. They see you stand strong. My mother's mother was a very godly woman. She had a lot of influence on me. She affected me in many ways. And you know, throughout her entire life, she never quit teaching me what it was like. I, I can't tell you how many times that I saw my grandmother with her Bible reading 
and thinking and talking. She talked to me about the Bible. Every time I came, she, she'd say, Michael, I was reading this passage over in Ecclesiastes, and I wondered what you thought about it. Because she was a, And I stood by my grandmother at the end of my grandfather's casket while she said goodbye to her husband of 60-odd years. She didn't lose it. She didn't fall apart. She didn't, her life wasn't over. She loved my grandfather, lived a whole life with him. But she taught me how to say goodbye. Why? Because she was a rock. Spiritually, she was a rock. She was strong. Now, she was a frail, physically a frail woman all of her life that I knew. And especially at that age in her life. But she was a rock. Spiritually, she was strong. Because you know what she did? She spent time preparing and developing and strengthening that inner woman to be someone who really, really honored God. Number four, cultivate faith in the hearts of your children. If you want to be a woman who's worthy of honor, a mother who's worthy of honor, the most important thing you can do for your kids is to cultivate faith in their heart. Do you remember the story of Hannah in the Old Testament? She wanted a child desperately and, and wasn't having a child. And, and she went and she prayed and Eli saw her and he thought she was drunk because her mouth was moving and nothing was coming out. But she was really just talking to God, asking for a child. And she promised God, she said, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. I mean, she wanted a child, right? She didn't want one just to keep for herself. She said, if you give him to me, I'll give him back to you. And you know what? God gave her a child, and you know what? She gave him back. She gave him to Eli to raise. Now, I want you to know, Eli was a sorry father. He had raised some sorry boys. And yet, she still gave her child to go and be raised. Samuel was his name. To be raised by Eli. But you know what? Samuel was the polar opposite of Eli's boys. I mean, Samuel was a man of God. If there's ever lived a man of God, it was Samuel. What's the difference? They're both raised by Eli. What's the difference? Well, the difference, obviously, is Hannah, the mom. She had an influence on him. She had him first three years of his life. And then she had an influence on him. You need to sow faith in the hearts of your children. You might say, well, you know, I just think that we all have to make... I've been told this. We all have to make our own decisions, and I didn't like my parents making me come to church, so I'm not going to make my kids go to church. I've heard that by people who were at church, by the way. Do you make your kids not play anywhere they want to play? Do you let them play just anywhere they want? Well, of course not. Do you let them climb anything they want to climb? Well, no. Why? Well, they get hurt. <laughs> My kids would play in the street. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I can't do that. Do you let them eat anything they want to eat? Well, of course not. Do you let them decide whether they're going to a doctor or do you decide? Well, of course I decide. They need to go to a doctor. I'll take them to a doctor when they need to go. Right? Why are all those things so important? And yet we think we want to let them make their own decision without any input or influence from mom about their spiritual condition. 
Let me tell you one thing that's true. You will die. And your children are going to die. They are. Someday, your children will die. You may outlive your children. Sometimes that happens. It's a terrible heartache when it does. But you may outlive a child. Whether you outlive them or not, when they die, you know what they're going to face? They're going to face Jesus. They're going to face God. They're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. The very best thing you could ever do for them. The very best thing is to prepare them for that day. Right? Prepare them for the day that they will stand and give account for their life. I I tell you, I've learned a few things looking at Facebook this last month. And one of the things I've learned is there are a few areas you don't want to talk about on Facebook. Don't ever bring up vaccinations. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've never brought it up, but I've seen the discussions. And I'm going to tell you, people are crazy both ways on vaccinations, okay? People will be hateful and ungodly and mean to fellow Christians because they disagree on their kids' vaccinations. Do you care that much about whether your kid knows Jesus Christ? Are you that passionate about whether they have a relationship with the one who's going to stand beside them when they stand before the Almighty Judge? You know, you can give your kids as a mom. You've heard the phrase, the hand that rocks a cradle rules the world. Have you heard that phrase? Many of you? What that means is mom has a great influence on how people turn out. Mom has a tremendous influence on that. Look at this passage. Paul said, I thank God when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now, Timothy, there were very few men the caliber of Timothy who've ever lived, much less at this period of time. Timothy was an outstanding man of God. He's the kind of man that the apostle Paul traveling around saw him and said, I want that guy to go with me. I mean, he was an amazing man. And you know what Paul said his faith was due to? His mother and his grandmother. That's where it came from. His dad wasn't even a believer. He got the faith from his mother and his grandmother. You can have a tremendous influence. You can give your kids all kinds of things in this life as their mom. You can give them hang-ups. You can give them phobias. You can give them OCD. (laughs) You can give them all kinds of stuff. You can also give them faith. You can give them faith. You might say, well, you know, if I do, if I try to make my kids read the Bible or stuff, they don't like it and they're just going to get mad at me. Yeah, they may get mad at you. Your job is not to make them happy. It's to make them righteous. That's your job. And to do that, you have to say, I know that you're going to get to start the ball game on Saturday, but right now it's more important for you to sit down with us in the house and read something out of God's Word than it is for you to go practice kicking another goal in the soccer. In the soccer. In the soccer game. Okay? That's more important. It's important that we go to church. Well, I don't want to go to church. I know you don't want to go to church, but that's what we do because we're children of God. And that's where you get spiritually fed, so you're going to go to church with us. 
That's what's going to happen in this home. Guide your house, mothers. And build faith in the hearts of your children. When they have heartache and heartbreak, don't just talk to them about how, well, you'll get over the... Talk to them about God in that. Talk to them about how Jesus has an impact on your life. Jacob and I went to the dump the other day. Okay, and he had stuff going on, but I had a big trailer load of trash that needed to go. I said, Jacob, you need to come with me. He said, okay, you know. But you know what? That trip to the dump and back, we had a couple of really good things that came up. We had some discussion about a passage of Scripture that Jacob had wondered about. And he said, you know, Dad, I just have... He said, I don't need a sermon about it, but I just had this question. <laughs> well, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> but that was the opportunity that presented itself. Moms, you have more of those opportunities than anyone else in their life. Take those opportunities to point them to God, to direct them to His Word and build that faith in them. Now, I want to very briefly talk just a little bit about honoring your mother because shamefully we live in a world where mothers are not honored. Now we have Mother's Day and people will buy a card, but I'm talking about genuinely honoring your mom. To honor your mom, the Bible says honor your father and your mother. What does that mean, honor them? Well, the word honor actually means heavy. Isn't that odd that the word honor means heavy? Well, it's not odd when you start thinking about it because something that was heavy, as in money, the more weight it had, the more value it had, right? And so the heavier something was, the more value it had. The same word means weighed down. It also means to prize, okay? Do you have a prized possession? Something that's very, very valuable to you? That's the idea here. The idea is for a young man or a young woman or even an older man or woman to treat their mother as though she has great worth, great value. She's a prized possession. You know, there's a lot of people who don't have moms. If you have a mom, especially if you have a godly mom who's tried to teach you right, what, what a valuable, valuable thing that is. A couple of years ago, my mom made me for Christmas a box that you hang on your wall and it's got glass on the front of it. And inside are things like my grandfather's pocket watch and my great-grandfather's straight razor that he shaved with and things. You know what? As far as money goes, an old broken pocket watch and a straight razor are not worth anything. But they are to me. They're very, they're hanging on the wall in my office. You know Why? Because of the value that they hold to me. And that's what he's saying about your mom. You are to honor her. You're to treat her as though she's of great value. And this can't be done by yourself. Someone else has to do it for you. You can't honor yourself this way. Proverbs says, don't let your own mouth praise you, but let it be the mouth of someone else. When you praise yourself, you've been around people who do that, right? They want to tell you how good they are, how successful they've been, how... Do you think they're praised when that happens? No, they just look arrogant. But you can praise someone. You can honor someone. You can do things for people. I... Uh, read about a guy whose wife had 
Alzheimer's and she was in real bad shape in the nursing home. And he went every day to the nursing home. Every day he went. And he'd get up in the morning and he'd dress and he'd shave and he'd prepare himself. And he went to the nursing home. And one day the weather was bad and his friends tried to get him to not go. They said, listen, you know, it's dangerous out there. You shouldn't go. And he said, no, I'm going to go. And they said, but she won't even know that you're there. And he said, yeah, but I know. You get that? You understand? That's honor. I'm doing it for her because I do that for her. You see the difference in these? One's honor and the other's shameful. And I want to tell you kids, I hope you're listening. Don't ever be this one. Don't ever treat your mom that way. She went to the brink of death to bring you into life. You know, when Jesse was expecting, when we got that phone call, I prayed. And one of the things I prayed for is that God would preserve Jesse's life. Because women die giving birth. She went to the brink of death to give you life. How dare you dishonor her? You treat her as though she's the most valuable thing in this world to you right now. That's what it means to honor. Let every one of you revere his mother and father. That word revere means to guard. It means to protect. You protect them. You guard them. You do whatever it takes to make sure they're safe. You know, things that are really, really valuable to us, a lot of times we'll put them in a safe, right? We'll put them in a safety deposit box, a lock box. Why? Because we want to keep someone else from taking it. We put special things in special places. Don't push your mom to the point of a breakdown when she's trying to deal with you. Don't push her. Don't treat her as though she's not that valuable. Instead, you serve her. She wasn't designed to be your servant. You serve her. You serve and take care of and protect and provide for and guard your mother. Because she has areas of being fragile that you can take care of. That's what it means to honor your mother. You know, I, I took this picture. I know you're not supposed to, but I got to go see the Mona Lisa. That's why it's fuzzy, because I took it. It's not real good. But the Mona Lisa in Paris, France, in the Louvre Museum, it, that bar there right here in the front is as close as you can get to it. And that's bulletproof glass, like somebody would shoot a picture. I guess, but it's bulletproof glass. It's got all kinds of protections on it to stop UV rays from coming through and to keep it it's sealed up so it stays the same temperature and the same humidity. And you know why they do that? It's because this is tremendously valuable. Super, super valuable. They put it in a place of honor. That's what we do with our mothers. That's what this passage teaches us to do. To put them in a place of honor. Now they may not always, uh, honestly, I've, I've seen lots of pictures of it and I've seen it in person. I don't think it's that pretty. <laughs> I really don't, personally. But I know it's the Mona Lisa, so it's so, so valuable. 
Your mom's not always going to be perfect. There's times she's going to lose her cool. There's times she's going to be unfair with you. You still treat her with honor and value. Cursed is anyone who despises his mother. That word despise literally means to take lightly. It doesn't mean to be hateful and mean. It means to treat her as though she's not valuable. It means when she comes home and she's been gone and you're sitting there watching TV, you don't even bother to glance up and say hello. You just keep watching your show or playing your game. She's not valuable. She doesn't mean anything. She's just there. No, she is valuable. She means something. And here he says that we're cursed if we take lightly our moms. So on a day like today, my message to you is twofold. Number one, if you're a mom, be the kind of mom who's worthy of honor. Be the kind of mom who is a committed Christian, who honors God's design for your life. You seek internal godliness and you cultivate faith in your children. If you're not a mom, if you have a mom who's still alive, honor her. Give her honor and respect and esteem. Give her a phone call today. Tell her you love her. Let her know that she's valuable to you. By doing that, you're honoring God because God gave her to you as a mom. You know, He could have given you to anyone. He could have given you to Jezebel. But He didn't. He gave you to your mom. Honor her today. Not just today. Honor her every day. You know, the day will come if you live long enough, that you, your mom won't be here anymore. Some of you have already gone through that. Some of you have already lost your mom. You won't be able to honor her then so that she knows it. But you can now if you still got your mom. Honor her. I hope you've been encouraged and motivated. And my hope for you is that if you're watching on our live stream or you're here today, you're going to give your mom some honor. I've already seen a little bit of it. I saw Braxton just lean over and give his mom a great old big hug. That's wonderful. Because that's what God's Word's supposed to do, is to teach us to, to honor those around us and to change the way we do, the things we do. I hope you've been motivated and encouraged. If there's a need that you have spiritually, you're certainly welcome to reach out to the leaders of the church here or some other spiritual leader where you're at today. And ask them to pray for you or help you or bring you to Christ. All of those things can happen today. If you have a spiritual need, please don't delay and make that need known. Let's stand and sing.